What's up, guys? Welcome out to another interview here on the podcast. My name is Shane Larson. This is the Game Time Guru. Excited to be here for another interview. It's uh, it's always a, a great day. It's Friday morning. We're po- posting another you know awesome episode for you guys to learn from, and um, it's just another opportunity to to meet new people, hear from new people in the sports world, and that's the coolest thing. And we're going to learn today from our guest. Uh, about the sport of volleyball. It's going to be another discussion from an expert who is going to give us some insight to the junior national program uh, in the sport of volleyball, what he's learned, uh, the experiences he's had, what separates volleyball players from being elite and great. Uh, What's that separation factor? How do you learn? How do you train? um, Mentally, how do you prepare to become a more, uh, I guess, well-rounded athlete with a better IQ in the sport of volleyball, that type of thing. We'll talk to him about some things to do in Hawaii as well as he is from uh, one of the islands over there. So it's exciting. He's a super, super, super great guest and you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get started though, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, which is Summit Legal Consulting. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight as to Summit Legal Consulting. And, you know, I'm so grateful for them for being willing to sponsor this episode and, you know, helping provide some support for the show so we can keep these interviews coming to you guys. You know, with some legal consulting, they work with business founders to help them from setup to exit. So in the last five years, they've helped founders complete over $1 billion in acquisitions and exits. 1 billion, you guys, 1 billion. And so if you guys want to use their services or find out more, go to www.summitlegalconsulting.com or you can email addison at summitlegalconsulting.com. Let them know that you know the game time guru or that you heard about it here on the show and he can get you in. Uh, he doesn't accept everybody as a client. I know him personally, though. I, I love what he does. He does phenomenal work. He's an awesome human being, just a great dude to be around. And um, if you're a business owner and you're in need of this service, hit him up. Summit Legal Consulting, the episode sponsor for today's show. And again, I hope you guys tune in, take notes, get your, get your phones out, I, iPhone, Android, whatever it is, wherever you can take notes on. If you're listening to this, you got a pen and paper, great. You ready to take some notes? There's some golden nuggets coming to you today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So, whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson. And I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. As you guys probably know by now, my name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Excited to be here for another interview with all of you and uh, with our amazing guests. As you guys heard in the introduction that, you know, we're we're talking about the sport of volleyball and um, we're bringing on another expert in the field. Of volleyball, and I think this is really good because here in the state of Idaho, where I reside, I mean, the show itself is in 180 countries in all 50 states. But I have a lot of people in the in the state of Idaho that listen just because of my coaching experience and so forth. But there's the sport of volleyball is starting to grow, especially on the men's side, um, and so I think this is a very timely and important discussion is to really dive deep into the sport and you know learn more about it. So joining us on the show today is Randy Nako, and he's going to be. Uh, Sharing his insight with us. So, Randy, thanks for joining the show, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Before we started recording, I asked, you know, Randy just, he's so dedicated. He traveled all night and all morning to get over here to Idaho. <laughs> um, he's got some stuff going on with some of the, the trainings and stuff that they're going to be doing. And 
Um, he, he came right over here and pretty much besides like getting set in and getting maybe something to eat or something, this is like one of the first things we're doing is recording this podcast. So yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I just really appreciate your time. So, you know, I want to rewind the clock, Randy, let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, how you even got into volleyball in the first place. Were you a volleyball player yourself or were you just grow? Did you grow up around the sport? What kind of got you into the sport of volleyball? Yeah, I was a player. We played um, mainly in church leagues from the time I was like 12 and just continued playing. And uh, unfortunately, my high school, they didn't, in, in the public school league there, they didn't have boys volleyball to my senior year. And uh, I tried it. I didn't like it. I quit. <laughs> and then surprisingly, uh, one of the coaches from uh, BYU Hawaii, that was an NEIE school back then, um asked me if I wanted to play and he said well I'm not really a student I don't want to go to school blah 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 he said well why don't you just come out and try it you know it's not so much school but he tricked me so I went out there and you know I obviously had to get the 2.0 to be eligible so that was my incentive just to stay in school and that's how it started oh man tricked you man, yeah hey. You just got to do what you got to do. You know, sometimes the recruiting process, you just, you know, tell them what they got to hear and then let them learn when they get there, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, Randy, did you play any other sports growing up um, outside of volleyball in the church leagues that you competed in and stuff? Or was it just yeah, like basketball, yeah, basketball, softball? That was the two main ones. I didn't like basketball too much because you got to run a lot. I didn't like softball too much. I liked every part except for I couldn't hit. So that didn't make it fun, you know? So volleyball was the last one. So what, what intrigued you about volleyball? I'm curious, just like for the listeners here, I want, I want to know what. Uh, well, the church group yeah. I belong to, our, our ward, um, we had all great volleyball players. For whatever reason, there was a couple of families that were into volleyball. And so we had a, a strong volleyball group. And that kind of pushed me towards playing when I was like, 11, 12, and I just kept on going. You know, it just was a lot of fun. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask you this. Uh, as a player, you know, competing at that level and just playing the sport of volleyball, you talked about basketball. You had to run a lot. You know, softball, mm -hmm. is, you got to hit. And, you know, what is uh, one of the toughest things, I guess I could ask, as a player for the sport of volleyball for you? Like, what was one of the hardest things? Is it just the technicalities of everything and the timing of everything? What was the hardest thing for you? Conditioning? I don't know. I think the hardest, because, you know, I, I'm on the shorter side in volleyball. Like even back then was a kind of like a big man's game. Not as big as now, you know, but just getting to the point where I could compete with the bigger guys. Yeah. You know, I had to work a little harder. You know, if I wanted to do it, I had to do it on my own outside of the gym. You know, it's just that type of motivation that was difficult, but it, it it helped me. It helped me not only in volleyball, but, you know, in life. Anything's difficult, just if you want it, you got to go for it, you know, and you got to do what you got to do. So that kind of helped overall, helped me develop into the kind of like person I am now. Yeah, totally. You know, so it reminds me of a guy I had on the show uh, before he passed away. His name was Trevor Moad, and he was – a mental coach for like um, Russell Wilson and the NFL mm. and a couple other guys. And one of the books he wrote was called it takes what it takes. And the whole concept was like teaching people how to think neutrally. But he was like saying, you know, when people, these, they ask these athletes like, Oh, what does it take? Like it just takes what it takes, man. Everyone's gifted with different things. But at the end of the day, like even the most skilled athletes, 
they might struggle on the mental side of things. And even the less skilled athletes, they have, they struggle on the physical side of things. So either way, like it takes what it takes. There's no magic pill or magic answer for everybody. It just takes what it takes. And that's kind of what it sounds like with what you said, you know, you just had to get it done. You got to do what you got to do to get it done. Yeah. In life yeah. Lessons. yeah. So if you want it, you got to go for it. You know, I love that, man. I love it. So, um, as we I just, like, I briefly wanted to go over your, your playing career. I want to ask if there was a specific memory, if you can go back to when you were playing, um, is there a specific memory that, you know, stands out to you at all? I think um, just the first day at practice in college, it was a real eye opener because, you know, back then playing in church leagues, yeah, it's competitive, but it's not the same. And I was never exposed to organize, you know, like, league sports in high school or anything. So it was, it was a big eye opener and it made me realize that, you know, this game is tough and it's not only physical, it's mental. Like the first day of practice, everything was, was new to me as far as training, the type of training and everything else and how we were treated. It, it was, it wasn't recreational at that point, you know, so that, that kind of gave me a, a better sense of, Wow, this game is for real. Oh, totally. Kind of push me to it, you know. That's awesome, man. I I think there's always that um aha moment in sports, especially at the next level. I I, I think every athlete experiences it. And um you just gotta expect that, I guess. Even if you're like the stellar athlete, but you you go to even a junior college nowadays, the, the talent pool and all these sports. It's so much higher. You got a lot better athletes these days. And so you, sometimes these guys that are, they go to junior colleges, guys, girls, whomever, and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Even junior colleges, man, this isn't even division one stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's always that, there's a fire that's at the next level. Every level you go to, it amplifies the competitions there, the intensities there. And so it sounds like it was the same for you. Um, in the introduction, I, I talked about this when I was doing an intro separately from this interview you know, you've won multiple international competitions and we want to talk about the, you know, the national team that, that you, that you coach, like like the USA junior national program. And just like, we want to know more about this program because you have, you're so decorated. And this is my whole point of the show is I want to bring to light and deliver this panoramic view on sports. So people get to know more about this stuff. So let's talk about the USA junior national program. If you don't mind, Randy, when did this begin? And when did you start becoming like a part of this program? Uh, I started about probably 15 years ago, and it started with just doing one of the USA developmental camps. Okay. You know, I, I just contacted a person and they got me in, and uh, I got to meet top coaches. Like the first coach coaching staff I, I worked with at that camp was uh, the men's program head coach and his staff at Long Beach State. And it's true them that I got connected with the youth national team and junior national team because uh, the head coach and the assistant coach both were involved with head coaching both the youth, youth teams and the junior national team. And Alan Knipe at that time was the head coach of the men's national team. So I just lucked out in meeting the right people, you know, and it's, it's all timing, I think. And that's how I got started. And I just asked, uh, the assistant coach, Andy Reed, Hey, Andy, I, I want to get involved with this. You know, I want to travel. I want to coach at the higher level, you know, get experience at the international level. He said, well, you just got to hang in there. And, and the first chance I get, I'll, I'll put your name in, you know, and that's how it all started. And 
I'm grateful to those two guys because they're the ones that got me into the, the, the pipeline of USA Volleyball. Otherwise, you know, a kid from Hawaii, never coached college before, you know, it, it's, it's almost impossible to get in that pipeline unless you knew someone. And just so happened, I just hooked up with the right guys. Hey, that's a testament. <clears throat> There's a book called The Power of Who. Um, and that's a testament of that. Like you had a, a network. I, real quickly, I got to give a shout out to that book because it also has ties to Kathy, whom I met, who mm -hmm. then connected me with you. It was at the Athletic Leadership Conference. I spoke about this in my interview with uh, Tino. And that was where one of the guest speakers actually referenced the book, The Power of Who. And in The Power of Who, it talks about how you already know who you need to know. It's just how do you like leverage that and, and take advantage of those relationships that you've already connected with throughout your life. And uh, anyway, that same athletic leadership conference was where I met, met Kathy. And through Kathy, I met you. So here's another testament to that. I was able to talk yeah. to you about it. But you're talking about how it worked for you in the coaching aspect. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I don't think you were necessarily taking advantage of a situation. It was just, hey, you reached out to who you need to reach out to. And so I, I love that. I think it's super, super cool. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of people, whether you're an athlete or not, can learn from. Mm -hmm. um, about the USA Junior National Program. Okay, so this is a question. I'm coming from a perspective of like, let's pretend I know nothing about the program. So if the listeners here on the show are like, okay, I'm interested, but let's learn about the program. What are the age, like, I guess, what's the age range of the, the Junior National Program? Like the youth team is normally kids 17 to 19. International is it's a U19 group that the youth normally participates in. So generally the USA teams on the youth side are on the younger age compared to the other countries. And then after that, it's U21. So you could be even 18 and still, if you're good enough, you could play with the junior national team, which is competes in the U21 division internationally. And we had one kid from Hawaii that, well, there's a few actually, but one kid from Hawaii that actually played high level with the national team when he was like a freshman in college. You know, he, he was a phenomenal player. And okay. um, he's a setter right now. He's been a setter for the last eight, I would say 10 years, Micah Christensen. Okay. And um, I think one of the first international tournaments he played in was the world league and the winner of that got a, the team got a million dollars you know so he was on that team he he sits he set that team and they won and so he was a favorite player of all the team members because they got to get his share of the money because he was still in college oh so, yeah so he didn't get oh, any money oh but the players were happy that he was on the team Sheesh, man. I mean, nowadays, I mean, within the last two years, that might have been able to be worked around with the net yeah, name yeah. likeness stuff. But before that, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. He takes all the work and then, hey, thanks, man. I'll take your cut. <laughs> Crazy. That's cool, though. Okay, so how does one, like, I guess in the volleyball space, like, if they have aspirations to even compete on this on this team – I mean, obviously, there's a limited number of seats there, uh, a limited mm -hmm. number of spots. But what, when do tryouts get held, and how does one even become a prospect, so to speak? When I was involved with the program heavily, um, it, it's different from now. A new guy came in. USA hired a new guy from the soccer world, and he kind of changed the whole dynamics and program of how teams are selected. But back when I was with in the program, basically, we held tryouts all over the country 
And um, through these 20, 24, 25 tryouts, we selected like 24 or 30 guys to be part of the training team. And then we go train at like Lake Placid or, you know, one of the training centers at a university. And from there within, you know, we only train for about three weeks before the competition. And within four days, we cut it down to, to maybe 18. And then two couple of days after that, then cut it down to the 12 that would actually travel and make the team. So it, it was a nationwide search, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And all you had to do, anybody could try out. You know, you didn't have to be recommended or anything. You just got to sign up and try out and hopefully you get selected. And that's that's how 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 the selection process went. But once once the training team got put together, it was fast. It was fast as yeah. far as cutting kids and, you know, deciding who you're going to take. That's what it seems like, you know, and that's not an easy process. But I want to know um... – you know, as a coach myself, I coach basketball, you know, and when we're playing, we, we do club basketball and mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. that, it's kind of hard because your tryouts are typically a two hour window. And there's, I mean, you don't get a lot of time to really see everything. You know, there's a lot of things that you wish you could see like game time situations and how does one perform under the pressure and that. And, uh, sometimes we make mistakes. We'll cut people that probably shouldn't mm-hmm, have been cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we'll put on, you know, kids that might not have belonged in, on certain teams and so forth. But my question is this, you know, when you are in the sport of volleyball, what there, I always say there's levels to the game. And sometimes you realize that as the season goes on or what, you start to see things pan out, you're like, ah, okay. So, but what makes an elite volleyball player? Like what are some of the intricacies of the game that you can notice um, in the sport of volleyball that make that, that differentiates, that separates a, uh, an elite player from a great player? It's all, I, I, I think it's all on the mental side. The volleyball IQ is what we call it. You know, you can, you can see it in some kids, uh, depending on the position, like this Michael Christensen, he was a setter, and he just always made the right decisions, no matter what the situation was. And you could see it when he was at a younger age that he had it. I, 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 I talked to him about it, and he said, I don't know. It just came to me. You know, he just knew who to set, knew how to manage the game. And I guess some people are just blessed like that. But that that's the part that really, if you know what you're looking at, looking for, the IQ will stand out, will make a player a good player. That If they're two comparable players, just the volleyball IQ would make them ahead of the other. Because that's, that's what it is. I think it's all the same in all sports, you know. Physical is physical, but you, you you find the kids that just are exceptional on the mental part of the game. And that yeah. sticks out a big, 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 big when you're trying to, you know, formulate a team or go to trials. But like you said, we only got a couple hours in a trial, got maybe 60, 70 guys. You're going to miss some. Yeah. You know, and this, this couple were actually missed. And when Tina was heavily involved with it, he actually had to tell USA, hey, you got to take these two kids. They weren't selected, but you got to take these two kids. And one of the kids was Michael Christian, who's arguably one of the best setters in the world. One of them was Taylor Crabb, who went to Long Beach State as a 6'2", maybe outside. He was player of the year. I mean, All-American. And those two kids weren't selected. 
for whatever reason. Wow. Yeah. So it takes, you know, a good eye to see it. And someone like like my friend Tino, who actually mentored me in, in coaching, to actually put his neck on the line to get these kids on the team because he knew they were good just by their skill and their IQ. That yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, good for him for finding that too. But sometimes you know, in a tryout, you know, some guys just don't perform very well in a tryout. But you know, they they can compete and like you've seen them better than that. But like, it's a hard process for a coach. So I and especially at a national level, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine um, what you, the stress that is to like try to put a team together. Now I was talking to Tino about this. You know, Randy, I, I served a church mission in Brazil, mm -hmm. and so. I was down in Brazil serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from 2008 to 2010. And back then, I i mean, Brazil is known for soccer. That's like their biggest sport. Um, we knew they had a good basketball team, too. Like a lot of mm -hmm. basketball talent comes out of Brazil. They have the NB, sorry, the NBB, which is right. the Brazilian basketball. But I didn't realize how big volleyball was, oh, yeah. especially for the men. And that was when I was there. I was like, oh. Oh, they take this very seriously here. That it goes soccer and then volleyball. It's not right. soccer, basketball, volleyball. It's soccer and volleyball. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people knew that, but my my point is that the question I want to get to here is when I was watching those guys. I mean, I was flabbergasted at how hard some of those dudes could hit, um, how brave a lot of those guys were. The ball was flying like a hundred miles an hour right at them, and they're just able just to take the shot right to them. And um, yeah, they're just so skilled because the ball's flying. You have to control it. And then like have a soft touch mm -hmm. and still have a little bit of power. I was just so intrigued with the sport. Um, but then I realized I'm like, dude, there's some athletes here. There are some athletes in Brazil. I used to just think of them as little tiny soccer players. And I didn't really think of them as anything else than that. And then I learned, I'm like, no, there's some athletes out of your experience. I mean, you've won multiple championships. You've won a lot at the international level. Like out of all your experience, is there a, a country or somewhere that you feel is like one of the most talented in the world? I think you go to the, the South American countries like Brazil, Argentina, and then you go to Europe, obviously Russia. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a couple of countries that perennially are up there in the top five, top six, you know, and a lot of it is because like, I know for sure one year when I took, when I was with the youth team, we went, we went down to Brazil to play and at a U19 kind of like a setup tournament because we weren't allowed to go to the world championships because the state department didn't let us go. It was in Algeria. Oh. So USA set up a four-team kind of mini tournament for us so that the, the kids could travel and, and get exposed to international ball. And we played Argentina, Brazil, and I can't, I can't remember what the other team was, but out of all those teams, they're all under 19 and like half of every team was, they are already turned pro, you know, they're pro oh. players. And so I think, you know, that that's why they're so good. They just, you know, like when they're 15, 16, they turn pro, they don't go to school. They just play volleyball, you know, and yeah. it was impressive. Ah, so that, that actually brings up a point of mine then, Randy. Like, I guess that's how it is for a lot of sports, including basketball and soccer across the world. Like, they have academies that these these kids go to from a young age. And if that's what they know they're going to do, that's what they go and do. They invest in that. Like, that's what they're doing. You know, if their parents think, hey, you can do this professionally, they just go and do that from a young age. And I don't think the United States is there. We, we have to go through the college system, typically speaking, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. get to the professional level most of the time for most sports. But that's just interesting. Is there... 
Do you think that the United States being in the, like having been in the sport the way that you are, do you think that we are there at that level uh, consistently or do we have a ways to go to get there? Uh, we have a ways to go because the professional sports opportunity in the U.S. for volleyball is not there. So a lot of top collegiate players, you know, they're good. They're very good. But until they go away and play, after they graduate and they play professionally, whether it's in Russia or all over the world, they got professional leagues. That's when they actually bloom as an international player. So they have to go abroad and play and get exposed to that higher level and then come back and then contribute that way to the USA team. Um, right now, the USA is kind of down a little bit in the, in the younger ages for whatever reason. I guess it's all cyclical. But, yeah, until they go away and play internationally at that highest level, you know, they're not as good as the international players which is kind of unusual, you know, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. And that, I mean, I also think maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. I also think that has something to do with how in the United States, I mean, you have three major sports of football, baseball, basketball, very, very popular, very like high revenue generating sports for the economy. Our best athletes, typically speaking, play those three sports. Like, I mean, right. that's kind of how it is. And then the rest of them, like we get good athletes in other sports too, soccer, volleyball, and, and even hockey, I'm sure. But do you think that that has something to do with it? Whereas like these other countries, you know, you got soccer, basketball, volleyball are some of those main sports in those other countries across the world, whether it be South America, Europe, or wherever, do you think that does have something to do with it? The the type of athletes that are coming into the sport? Yeah, most definitely. You know, like a lot of good volleyball players were great basketball players, great football players. And for whatever reason, maybe they saw they couldn't make it. They couldn't see themselves playing at a high level, switch to volleyball. Uh -huh. So we, we get those type of crossover athletes, whereas, you know, like, for instance, like Brazil, I mean, if they're going to play volleyball, that's all they're going to do. Yeah. You know, so they don't get too many of these crossovers like USA does. So that's that's I think that's one of the handicaps, I guess you could say. For USA Volleyball. Okay. Yeah. No, that's what I was thinking too. Okay. Now, in your experience coaching at the, the the USA level, out of the youth, I should say, are there specific states in the United States that have a heavy load of talent? Um, my question stems from like the sport of lacrosse is very East Coast driven. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. It's working its way across the United States pretty well now. But like if you even go back 10 years ago, East Coast driven. I mean, a lot of the best lacrosse players come from the East Coast. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of sports are different, but I'm wondering how volleyball is in regards to the national team. Do you see talent being, you know, progressing in different areas? Yeah, it's kind of the same. You know, way back when I started out, a lot of obviously the top players are in Southern California and Hawaii produced a lot of good players that, you know, for a string of maybe four or five teams. You know, four or five years, Hawaii produced like on the 12-man roster three, four every year. And then slowly, you know, the, and of course, Southern Cal is big. But now you're getting a lot from Chicago, from New York. I mean, it, it's it's growing all from the Midwest to the East. And, you know, that it's just moving over. If you look at the college, college scene, before Southern Cal teams in college used to dominate. 
you know. But oh, now man. you get teams like like uh, Penn State or, you know, on the women's side, Texas, and those side where they're starting to dominate. So the sport is growing. And uh, especially on the men's side, you know, they're far behind the, the girls' side because of the, just the sheer numbers of clubs. But the men, yeah, they're catching up and it's moving all the way to the east, you know. Now, a lot of the good players are coming from the Midwest and the east. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is growing. It is yeah, growing. Yeah. And I can tell you, like, it's growing in Idaho, even though it's a smaller sport. I mean, the women play, obviously, there's the, the women's side of things here, but the men's sport of volleyball, like the men's side, is growing. Uh, the boys at a younger age are able to compete. I know Ryan Canelli, who's been on my show before, mm-hmm. talked about Idaho Strike. We, we talked, I talked with an athlete from there, uh, Kyle Homer, who was playing for them oh, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was chatting about it. Like, it is growing. It's great. Gained an immense amount of like traction, but it seems like, yeah. I mean, even when I was on my mission, one of my companions who was from California, he's like, yeah, I was a setter in California. I mean, we used to pack the stadiums and I'm like, huh? Well, we've got men's <laughs> volleyball in Idaho. Like, what are we doing here? So just interesting. The, the difference is there, but it is growing and that's cool to see. Now mm-hmm. you having coached both, you know, male and female athletes in the sport of women's volleyball, men's volleyball. I mean, it's, and maybe you have a different opinion on this. So that's why I want to ask. I'm glad to have you here because in sports, it is harder to coach different ones because you have to learn the differences. There's there's like in basketball, it's not, I shouldn't say it's harder. It's just different. It's unique to coach men compared to that of women because there's mm-hmm. a different, the speed of the game is different. There's different intricacies in the game that are a little bit different things you have to deal with that are different in each sport. Is there any differences that you can see from the, the women's side compared to the men's? Well, when you look at the younger ages, like, you, you know, if you're coaching club, like 12, 13, 14, 15, even in high school, um, for me, the hardest part with the girl on the girl's side is just handling the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, girls think, take things a lot more personal, whereas boys, you know, you could have a group of guys that are phenomenal players that all hate each other, you know? But when they get on the court, they just play because they want to win. And when they get off the court, you know, they just go their own ways. So in that case, in that situation, boys are a little bit easier. Um, but the way I look at it and the way I coach, I, I coach both boys and girls the same. The sport okay. is a sport. You know, the girls are trying to expose them to more things that the boys side do as far as offense, defense. And, you know, just see how far they can go rather than changing my my coaching style for the boys and then for the girls, you know, change it up. I just coach them the same. And it seems to work. You know, some of the girls can handle, some can't. But on the whole, the girls love it, you know, because I tell them straight up, I'm going to I'm going to coach you guys like guys and just buy into it. And they seem to buy in quickly. They seem to work harder because they want to, you know, get, they see the guys play with the power and everything, and they want to get there. So yeah. they, they, the buy-in is a lot easier. And I find that if you, if you do that, there's no real difference other than the emotional side you got to deal with. Totally. No, that's good insight. It's good insight. I um, heard you say earlier, you know, the mental side, the IQ side of the game, 
um, is a big piece for some people. You know, you can have the mental side, high IQ. How does one develop that in the sport of volleyball, in your opinion? Uh, a good example is I took a team this past club season who are the second group, second tier, 14-year-old girls. And a friend of mine had the six, was coaching six scenes at the same club. And he helped me out every now and then. And he, he said, your girls are so smart. You know, how, how did they get smart? I said, well, basically, you got to put them in a situation where they have to make decisions. So like in my practices, obviously work on technique and skill and system, systematic stuff. But at the end, we always play some kind of game, six on six, four on four, you know, different type of wash scenarios so that it becomes just random what happens, you know, because every pass is not great. The pass is not great. Who are you going to give the ball to? What's a better decision? What's a better choice? You know, so I'm forcing my players to always make decisions, even if they're not the setter. If the pass is bad and they have to set a ball, they have to think and make the right decision who to get the ball to in that situation. So it's all situational and volleyball is very random. And if you can get them to think and in that random chaos type situation, always make the right choice, then they become smart players. Then the team can, the team gets better. They may not be the most talented team, but they're the smartest team. So, you know, unforced errors is very low, which helps you win, win a lot of games. So it's just, it's just putting them in a situation where they have to use their brain a little bit and, and, you know, in a split second, make the right choice. See what the the, the options are. And just pick the right one. I like that. And I like that you said putting them in the position too as a coach, even if it's a different sport. Like you got to create that environment, right? Like in, the, in practices and, and your preparation, you've got to create the environment for them to put them in those situations so they can start learning how to make those decisions on, a, on the fly. Um, I love it though because – I love that you said it was your second tier team, 14 new girls. Like I, I, I love when you see the teams like that, like that might not be as skilled necessarily, but they're still talented. Um, but they start to really excel because they are, they start to have, they, they use their brain. They're using yeah. their brain. I see that in all sports. I think it's amazing. It's one of the coolest yeah. things to watch actually. Yeah. This, uh, this season was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. These girls were kind of like the cast offs, uh-huh. you know, the first team didn't want them. They didn't know what to do with them. And, I had no choice. I had no say in the selection because I, I entered late because I guess the head coach dropped out or for whatever reason. And yeah, these girls were not as talented, but you know, because their IQ got better and better and better. We, I think we entered like, I don't know how many, 12 tournaments in Hawaii, four or five real big ones at the convention center. We won like you know, we lost maybe one. We came in third, all the local tournaments. And that's only because they're smart. They played smart. You know, we didn't give away a lot of points. And so this this team was uh, was fun to coach. One of the best teams I ever coached. That's awesome, man. I hope everyone listening to this takes note. Like, unforced errors, limiting unforced errors. It's amazing what that can do for a team that might be less talented. At least it gives you an advantage at least to be able to compete and be in a situation to be compete Like, Limit the uh, turnovers, limit unforced That's areas, right. and you'd be yeah. amazed at how you find yourself in a spot where you're competing at the end of the game. Um, I love it. So we've talked about uh, 
traveling. We've talked about, you know, the, the places that you've, you've seen some really good talent. What's your favorite place you've either, you know, that you've coached at that you've, you know, a, a favorite location, whether it's in Hawaii or it's another country or it's a different state in a different venue. I want to, I want to know if there's like a specific place you've been um, that stood out to you as like one of your favorite places to compete. Brazil was one of the favorite. I went with the junior national team to world championships and, uh, I don't know. The feeling was just different. Maybe the team was real tight. You know, there's a lot of good guys. We had no real clicks. It was a lot of fun. And and they competed like heck. And just to see them play at the highest level against other countries, that was, oh, that was just awesome to watch. You know, it's it's one of those times where you just was proud to be an American, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we like they play your national anthem, you know, you just get goosebumps. It's just a totally different feeling. And that, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. So every time now I hear the national anthem, you know, all those feelings come back and it was because of that one trip. Oh, wow. Where'd you guys play in Brazil? Which, which part of Brazil? We played right there at the, at that main arena next to the big soccer stadium. Is it, do you know what state it was in? Was it Rio de Janeiro? Sao yeah, Rio. Paulo? It was in Rio. Rio, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. oh man. Cool. Yeah. That would be a crazy experience, man. Yeah. Super cool. Ah, oh, geez. Okay. So on these junior national teams that you've coached, then Randy, we've talked about the mental side of things, but what were these guys doing to like, I guess physically, what were these guys doing physically to be able to compete at that level? Were they training a certain way? I want to know if for like any aspiring volleyball players, is there certain trainings that you would recommend, like things that they need to be working on in the offseason consistently? to be able to have them compete at that high level where they're able to compete internationally? Strength training is big, you know, but they, they got to do the right, right routines and right system because you want it, the strength training, you got to find someone that knows volleyball, knows yeah. what type of lifts to do that would help you, knows, you know, cause you just, you just can't go out there and just lift. Yeah. You know, to get stronger, you got to get, you got to do it with a purpose and you got to find the right person that kind of knows volleyball and they got to do a lot of agility work, surprisingly, because, you know, volleyball all starts from the ground. Your feet got to be good before you can be good. So it's just that stuff. I mean, a lot of agility and the correct uh, lifting programs that will make you stronger in the right areas and help your body be in position to play the game at a high level and you know all that obviously takes you got to do it on your own because you can't just do it two months out of a year and that's it totally. if, you, if you have that goal of, of making it up to the next level and the higher level after that yeah you got you got to pretty much not dedicate your life but you got to put a lot of time in off season totally but you got to do it you got you got to do the correct way otherwise you're just wasting time you're getting stronger but it's not helping your game yeah yeah you know as i get older i'm 35 now well 10 35 next month and i i can i can go to the gym and just do bench presses and squats and stuff but i don't need to i'm not lifting for a sport but like there's a reason like i would encourage these high school athletes whatever sport you're competing in there's there's ways to train your body strength training that's going to be more specific to the, the athletic side of things you know you're not just a volleyball player probably doesn't want to go bench 300 pounds. No. Not really going to necessarily help them from that standpoint. You know, there's certain things that you probably want to do with your mobility, your 
your, your back, your hips, your shoulders probably need to get in the right strength and flexibility. And there's a lot of things there, I'm sure. So just make sure, like Randy just said, if you're listening to this, if you're finding a strength training program, make sure it's specific to like mm-hmm. what you're going to be doing. So it's functional. So you don't just have what I call popcorn muscles that don't do anything. They just right. don't, they don't do nothing. Um, so volleyball is one of the sports, Randy, like I always watch it in awe, even the, 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 the females, the men, whatever, like it's crazy to me because you can't really hide when you're on the actual <laughs> sport. Okay. And I've, I've had the experience of this, just playing with my friends, like sand volleyball and stuff like just playing in this, you can't hide. You have to play defense and offense. And since it's a limited number of people on the court and it's constant, it's a constant game. The ball, like in basketball, you can, you have to play both sides of the ball too, but like sometimes you can hide a player by double teaming mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then in football, you play one position, typically speaking on one side of the ball in most sports. That's kind of how it is. Volleyball. It's not like that. You got to do it all, all well. Um, so I guess in your experience with the junior nationals, especially the youth, like the, the younger ages before they turn like pro and when they're getting up into the, to the college level of things, do you see very many like well-rounded that are just so good at defense, offense and everything? Or do you see a lot of athletes that are, you know, that you kind of have to work on one side of things? Cause I just think it would be so hard to get them on the court if they're not able to like be excel at both sides of the ball. Yeah. There's certain positions that you got, you got to, play all six positions, you know, the Hawaii kids are good because we play all the positions, you know, it doesn't matter. We, we, cause we don't have big guys. So, you know, if you're six feet, you're big, six, two, you're big. So you end up playing in the middle, but I find that if you expose them to the other positions, then you make them more well-rounded player. And I think that's what Hawaii kids at a younger age before size and power takes over, they, they just dominate, you know? And so that helps. But nowadays it seems like it's becoming more specialized. So if you're a middle, you know, you work on your jump, you work on your lateral work, you work on your blocking. If you're an outside, then you got to work on everything, you know? So it's just, it's very specific now as far as how kids train. And they train with the goal of, you know, making it to co- making it either in the top, their top team in the club, or making it to college, and then beyond that, you know, they are, they're all looking towards that, and they kind of, they kind of not necessarily, I guess, because they pigeonhole themselves, you know, to to get good at what they feel the position they're gonna play in, and so, you know, it, it's. I think it's turning to that. I think it's the same with all sports, you know? Yeah. Man, it's a, that's a hard sport. I want people to know the point of this show is to like really educate people on all things sports related, not just football and basketball. I want people to understand how complex volleyball kind of is. I told Tino, Randy, I was, when we were in Brazil, we went over to the park, my companion Mm -hmm. and I for our mission, we're just chilling at the park one day and you got a couple guys playing basketball couple of guys playing football like soccer which was in the sand pit and there was like these these dudes playing three on three volleyball and i'm not kidding you the 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 speed and power in which they were hitting the ball this dude's like finger i'm not kidding like it looked like it bent and touched his forearm (laughs) because the ball hit him so hard but then he's just playing they tape up their fingers and they're just playing and i'm like i don't think i could ever do that like i don't know so the toughness that's required to play the sport is immense male female whatever i think people need to realize like volleyball is not a weak sport nobody mm-hmm. wants a ball time at your face or 
potential smacking. You got to try to like block the shot. It's like, dude, you're up there with these, these dudes are just ready to destroy it. But I guess my question is this, like, do you ever experience that as a coach where these like players, yeah, they're really talented, but maybe they don't like the ball flying at their face. Like how does one actually become comfortable with a ball flying at them at speeds? It doesn't even have to hit your fingers. I mean, it could hit your face, your chest, and it still stings. You know what I mean? So it's not comfortable. How does one get comfortable with that? How do you help them get comfortable as a coach? I think it's more experiential. Once they get hit in the face once, they learn to get their hands up faster. You know, it's one of those things that they just got to go to the pain. There's no nothing a coach can say or do. Obviously, if your if your you know reaction time is fast, then you're a lot better. But I think once you get hit in the face a couple times, yeah, yeah, you kind of look at the right things and starting to start to pay attention while the game is going on because yeah, you could, you could get, you could get hurt <laughs> or knocked yeah. out. I seen kids get knocked out, you know, <laughs> not it's, to scare anybody from it. I mean, no. you get knocked out playing any sport. So it's just, yeah. just gotta get hit in the face a couple of times. Yeah. You realize yeah. you're not made of glass and you'll be just fine. You know, you just learn, learn from it. Okay. So as I, as I get towards the end of the interview, Randy, I just, I, I want to ask you, what was your the biggest life lesson that volleyball has taught you, whether it be from a player's perspective or a coach's perspective? What have you learned from volleyball that you've been able to take into your life? You kind of alluded to a few things earlier, but mm-hmm. if, you, if you had one lesson you could share, like, yeah, this is what volleyball's taught me. The biggest lesson is giving back. Like that college coach took a chance on me. I never played in high school. You know, I played church leagues. And he took a chance on me, but not so much for my volleyball skill because compared to the other kids who've been playing at a competitive level, they are far above me. But just giving me the opportunity to use volleyball as a, as a vehicle to get my education, that's what he was getting at, you know. And because he did that and, and I did amazingly graduate from college, um, experience playing, but is just the giving back. He took a chance on me. You know, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he wanted me to to take advantage of, of the opportunity. And so because of that, ever since that one, you know, after I realized what he was doing and how it helped me, I felt it's my mission to give back. And the way I give back is I, I just coach kids. You know, I want the same for the kids. And one lesson that I always try to teach my kids that I coach is when they get out of club, when they get out of college, give back, come back and coach, you know, come back and coach at a club, come back and coach at a high school, just somewhere where you're going to give back because someone has given something to them and it's their responsibility to give back. And that that's one of the biggest things that I try to coach these are the kids that I have only because of the experience of this one coach who took a chance on me. And it's gratifying to see a lot of the the players that I had in high school, they graduate from college, they come back and they start coaching, you know, and they see me coaching. They say, hey, coach, you're still coaching. I said, yeah, hey, good to see you back. You know, he says, yeah, we got to give back. We got to give back. You know, so that that's my reward, you know, because in coaching, you don't make money unless you're at the top level. Club, you don't make, you know, you make pid leads. But money is not the thing, you know. 
the pay oh. the pay is when you see these players come back and and learn the lesson that you want them to wanted them to learn that that's the gratifying part absolutely man i that's an amazing answer that is awesome i appreciate that so moving forward i mean obviously you're in idaho right now for for some stuff i'm i'm mm-hmm. curious what's what's next for randy Nako? like that's what, what are you going to be doing um and what what can we expect to see from you in the in the future well, I, I, I still coach high school, girls and boys in Hawaii. I coach girls at uh, Kamehameha Schools, which is a private school for Hawaiians. And then I coach boys at Puno High School. And um, so I uh, probably continue doing that. I, I'm I'm kind of done with USA because just a time constraint during the summers, it, it's a lot of, lot of weeks and a lot of time. But and I'll still coach club every now and then. I just, but I'll still stay involved, you know. And a, a quick story: one, one of I was at Puno High School, and and the baseball coach is a legendary coach in Hawaii. And I was kind of getting burnt out a little bit coaching. And I just asked him, you know, pal, when do you know it's time for you to leave or quit? You know, he said, Randy, it's easy. When you feel you know everything, you need to quit. So I don't know everything about volleyball, so it's not my time to quit yet. So I always go by that. That's huge. As a coach myself, I will take that on. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that. Super cool, Randy. I really appreciate your insight and just, you know, taking the time out of your day after traveling this entire day just to get to Idaho. And, you know, I'm looking forward to maybe I'll be able to meet you. Um, if I get to if I get to Hawaii one day, what's the what's the first thing I should do? upon landing on the island like what what would you encourage someone like me i'm on the mainland i haven't been out there yet i need to experience what it's like well first of all i wouldn't spend too much time on oahu okay it's it's a big city you know you see that everywhere maybe you come to Hawaii. you got to go to waikiki you know get in the water a little bit you got to go to the pearl harbor memorial then after that just go to the neighbor islands like Kauai or maui where it's more laid back more beautiful more open and just just kick back. That's all you got to do. Just kick back, man. I love it. I love the mentality you have. You can tell your demeanor is just like a, yeah, dude, I just enjoy life. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, I appreciate your time, sir. I want to tell everybody who's listening to this, make sure you guys are, you know, if you guys enjoyed this interview that you share it with a friend or family member, somebody who might be able to benefit from it. If you're an athlete or you have a, a child who has aspirations to play in volleyball i encourage you guys to share this with them share that's the whole point of this is is how it has grown to 180 countries and all 50 states is because people have shared the podcast with different people so please do that and if you like it leave us a review on apple Podcasts and let us know what you thought of randy's insight that he provided but again randy i just want to say thank you sir and i hope you enjoy your day and that you can get some rest all right man thanks man i appreciate it had fun this is fun thank you sir we'll be coming to you guys next week with another interview take care Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.